So we are in Romans 8 tonight. So I'm going to ask you a serious question, a legitimate question. How many of you people seriously in this room tonight feel like at some point in time in your addiction you should have been dead? Okay. So I'm pretty much sure that we got 100%, right? So I want you to think about our enemy. It was our enemy's goal to wipe out every single person in this room that had their hand raised. Okay, amen? But it was God's desire that every person that had their hand raised would come to the saving grace and knowledge of him. Amen? So if you think about it, we in this room tonight are victorious. So give yourselves a hand. We are not willing to give up our spot. We are not willing to give in to the pressure any longer. We're not willing to go back to jail or to prison. We're not willing to go back to living in our cars, living on a bench, living in the streets. Amen? All right. So the title of the message tonight, um, I kind of based it on something that Pastor Jeff said yesterday, and I'll qualify that. And I've entitled the message tonight, Why Not Me? So Pastor Jeff yesterday was sharing from the pulpit that he was celebrating 50 years in pastoral ministry. And he said it many times he thought to himself, God, why, why me? Why are you choosing me? Why are you blessing me? Why are you watching out over my life? Why have you chosen me? Well, I was such an unbeliever in God. I think most of you know that. It was going to be my duty to disprove God because my wife was wrong. My kids were wrong. My ex-wife was wrong. All these people that came to this church diligently every Sunday, they were all wrong. They were all crazy fools giving their money and their time and coming and just worship. I thought worship was simply so they could play music so everybody could get into the church so they could pass the offering because they didn't want to miss a dime. Well, boy, was I proved wrong. But what I'm saying is when Pastor Jeff said that yesterday, my, once I said yes to Christ, my attitude was maybe arrogant at the time, but my attitude was, what, my attitude was why not me? Why, why not me? Why shouldn't I get the best that God has to offer? Now, Michelle got more than she bargained for because when I got saved, I started doing everything. I, I couldn't walk, I couldn't drive, I could do nothing. I had just recently had a stroke, but I signed up for the parking ministry, the moving ministry. And then I wanted to see our marriage flourish, so I signed up for this ministry called MALT, Marriage A Loving Team. And I signed up for the group of people that lived, they lived in Pebble Beach, it was all the kind of the bigger, higher up, more mature, responsible, elder people of the church, hoity-toity, you know, owned businesses, Land Rovers, Mercedes. Well, the problem was right before, and Michelle said, why, why, why did you sign us up for that? We, we're not worthy of that. I said, but that's not what the Bible promises. The Bible, the Bible promises come as you are. And boy, am I going to come as I am, right? <laughs> and so the problem was right before the group started, Michelle was doing a paper route and kind of fell out of the car. 
and the, the car door slammed on her bathrobe and was dragging her down a hill outside of the vehicle. It went up an embankment, over a ditch and into a tree, airbags deployed, windshields broken out. So night one of life group. You ever drive a car where the belt squeaks? You know, if your parents did that, you're like, hey, mom, can't you drop me off like a mile from the school? So we're night one of Malt Group. We're driving into Pebble Beach with the airbag. All the airbags are deployed. You know, of course, the dashboard is all torn out, right? The windshield's broken, side window's broken, and the car is like, you know, they could hear us coming like 10 miles away. But my attitude was, why not me? Why? I'm a believer, and the scripture says that if I'm a believer, that I deserve God's best, amen? And I wanted it. I'm like, I, 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 I had an expectation that it was for me. And uh, Michelle, she had a little bit different opinion at that point in time. I was a little rough around the edges. I think she thought I was going to do my normal and still have the medicine cabinet at their house or you know, go searching their bedrooms and looking for purses, all the stuff that I had done in the past. Um, but I had to be super bold, and I had to say that I want this so bad, it is for me. And I expect God to do things in my life. And I want you guys that are believers, that believe in the blood of Jesus, I want you to have an expectation that your life is going to be different, that your life is going to change. Amen? So it's not just put on the cruise control, though, right? I, I hate the cruise control. Like, we were driving, I think I shared this, to, uh, to see Michelle's mom, and Michelle's like, well, honey, you're going like 105. A little faster than I should have been going. Um, she said, why don't you use the cruise control? Well, I, I don't like to use the cruise control because that's what I used in my, my addiction, right? I just did what I did, and I did it every day, and I was miserable doing it. I wanted to participate. I wanted to be an active part of my recovery. I wanted to be active in my faith with Christ. I wanted to be active in seeking him diligently. And so I didn't want to put anything on automatic anymore, right? And I would, I would say the same to you guys. Get out there and work it and do it. So why not you, right? It, aren't God's promises for you? Right, the, the song, and I'm a Victory Outreach guy. I love Victory Outreach. And I love the song, and you've heard me say it a million times before. It's an old school song that says, I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. Right? Right? And that's, that's the bottom line. I want it back. Right? You fooled me. You tricked me. It's not what you said it was. It's, it's pretty miserable. You know? So... For years and years and years, as a non-believer, I lived and worked in Red Bluff, California. I, I was a firefighter there. I was a paramedic there. I was a dad. And uh, for many, many years, I would drive by. Somebody bought an old semi-trailer, must have been a believer, parked it in a field right off Interstate 5, heading south, that had the scripture on it out of Romans. Right, Romans 6.23, the wage of sin is death, but God's, the gift of God is eternal life. And they had these big hands with, that were pierced and bleeding. And I would see that every day. 
day in and day out and day in and day out. I thought it was like harsh. It's like the wage of sin is death. So what that scripture is telling me is the life that I am living, I am earning every day. I am earning a wage, and that wage is death. And I didn't like it. I thought it was harsh. It wasn't for me because I was not a believer, you see. But once I became a believer, you betcha I flashed back to that, that semi-trailer. Now when I go up to Northern California and I visit, I look forward to seeing that trailer because I smile, right? When I go by that trailer, I smile and I say, but the gift of God is eternal life. Because I am no longer earning that wage of death, right? Because I have given up that part of my life, and I am working towards an eternity in heaven, right? I want, I want, I not only want, want to go to heaven, I want, to, I want a really cool place there. You know, my, my father's house has many rooms, right? If we're not so, so I would not have told you. You know, I believe that we are rewarded based on our works here on earth, what we do with Christ, you know. I, wanna, I want some really cool rewards, you know. I, I talk to people all the time, is there food in heaven, <laughs> right? God, I hope so. I really do. Regardless, I'm sure it's a great place, but I like to talk to fellow foodies about what is going to be to eat in heaven. And don't get me started on food right now because I will get so far off the topic right now. Um, I'm trying to think of a way of missing diners, drive-ins, and dives in the gospel. Because as soon as I figure out how to do that, I'm going to go on the road, right? I don't know. Maybe visiting church restaurants, right? I don't know. We'll see. But so what I want you guys to say to yourself is, why not me? I deserve that, right? I do. I deserve good things. I deserve a restored and redeemed life. I, re I deserve to have my kids back in my life. I deserve a good job. I deserve a, res a reliable car. I deserve to be happy. And I'm following Christ. There's nothing wrong with having an expectation that he is going to deliver that. Right? The problem is we generally set our sights unrealistically right? Oh, God, I want a hot man or a hot woman, and I want a Porsche, and I want a sick house, and I want a fat job. God's up there going, yeah, I want all kinds of cool stuff for you, but it's so different than that. I want you to be redeemed. I want you to be happy, you know? How about a, how about a house that the roof doesn't leak in, right? How about a Toyota Corolla, right? You ever hear that song, song that says, if you want to be happy for the rest of your life, never make a pretty woman your wife, right? I don't know. Just think about it. It's not about how somebody looks. You should be saying, is this, this man or this woman, are they godly? Not what do they look like? Not what do they drive? Not where do they live? Not where do they work? Is this man or this woman that... I want you to bring to me, are they godly? Do they love Jesus? That's what we need to be asking. We need to be asking things that are in line with his will for our lives. Not all this crazy stuff, you know? We drove a beater van that squeaked, 
to a malt group, and we were welcomed so warmly. Because for them, it was like, you were the guy that used to live in the parking lot. Yeah, I was the guy that used to live in the parking lot. But now I'm the guy that's in your house trying to learn about Jesus because I want to fix my marriage, right? I expected to be welcomed there, and I expected that God would use that time to help to begin to restore my marriage. And he did just that. But I had an expectation that if I did what the Bible says, that these things would happen. And you should, right? That's just the bottom line. So in uh, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you mentioned that when you're up here speaking. Because there's condemnation and there's conviction, right? We are convicted of sin, right? We maybe did something wrong and we went to court and the judge, how many people have been sentenced by a judge? So in order to be sentenced by a judge, you have to be found guilty of that crime and you're sitting there the whole time going, boy, I hope he doesn't throw the book at me. You're going, boy, I should have hired a private attorney, right? I go, to court all the, I go to court so much with people, I feel like I should have just been a lawyer. I would have, I would have, I would have, I would have been making money, right? Not that I don't like what I'm doing. I, I love what I'm doing, but I, I'm in court all the time, and when you're convicted, you are condemned or sentenced to do to do community service or time or you got to do a domestic violence class or a theft offenders or whatever it is. But when you accept Christ, there is no condemnation, right? He paid your price. He, he was in court with you and when that judge smacked down the gavel and said 20 years or 30 years or 10 years or six weeks or six months or whatever, and you're immediately calculating what's halftime on that. Right? Everybody want to know what, you know, when you go to court, you're like, because you're like, they have to like calculate all the credits and your good time work time, your actual days, your good time work time. And you're like, so you're sitting there, and I always do that when I go with people. I'm sitting there calculating really quickly in my head how much time they're actually going to do. But what you have to realize is Jesus is sitting in that courtroom with you. Right? He already paid the penalty, He already did the time. So when you are a believer in Christ, there is, there is no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. It says, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free. And doesn't it feel good tonight to not be depending on getting well? Oh, I, I need to wake up in the morning, right? I either got to go get some dope, smoke some crack, smoke some meth, I got to take some hair off the dog that bit me, right? You got to go hit the lit. You got to wait till six o'clock for the liquor store to open. I always thought you alcoholics had it lucky because the dope man ain't answering the phone at six o'clock in the morning. I'm like, you alcoholics are lucky, man. 6 a.m., liquor store's open. Bam, you're good. I'm like 10, 30, 11 o'clock wondering, you know, it, is my connection up? Because when you wake him up, he, he is mad. He is mad. And he is not going to go get you what you need. He's certainly not going to deliver, right? And no credit, right? Your line of credit is cut off at that point. But in Christ, we are free. 
from the law of sin and death, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh uh, we could not do by sending his own son and likeness of our sinful flesh for the sin he condemned sin in the flesh. So he came, he paid the price so that would be free. So if you were sitting here tonight and you are sober and you are free, wasn't there a point in time that you said, that's all I want? If I could just get to the point of being sober, clean, nothing in my system, I would start my life over. I would do all of the right things this time. Well, God sought in his, his mercy to bring you to that point tonight. He allowed you to be clean and sober, whether it was through incarceration or uh, a detox or a program or whatever. If he brought you here tonight and you were sober, then you need to say, that's, that's what I wanted. So the question is now, it's the ball is back in your court. Your, the, back, the ball is back in your court. You got what you wanted. You got what you prayed for. Now, what are we going to do with that? Are we going to take that sentence that was served, the clean slate, and say thank you and move forward? Are we going to go back and get caught up in the same old thing? Because I believe you, I cannot tell you in the 17 years or like 18, 19 years of working with people in recovery, how many times I got the phone call, oh, you were right, you know, can you come and see me? Absolutely. I said, I, I will come and see you in jail. Absolutely. Yes. I will. That's just, it is what it is. You know, I mean, you didn't listen then, but will you listen this, this next time? So my, my question is, how many Times are we going to continue to do that before enough is enough? When is enough enough? When are you going to take the opportunity that you've been given and move forward and don't look back? Like that song, no turning back. No turning back, you know? You have to get to that point in your life where you don't care what is behind you. I love the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And I've said this before. Because when Lot was fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah with his family and his wife, and we all know what happened to her, right? Pillar of salt, right? Right? So, if you really break down and look at that story, all right, they were told not to do what? Don't look back, Okay? It wasn't that she looked back and saw something that caused her to turn into a pillar of salt. It wasn't that an angel was sitting back there going, ah, 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 you disobeyed, boom. I would argue to you that there was something that caused her to turn back because there was something that she wasn't quite ready to walk away from. Something that she was longing for in that life right? Something in that life of sin that it was just like, ah, am I really ready to walk away from that? So I, I would say it wasn't the disobedience of looking back, it was the disobedience of not being willing to cut loose what was there and be willing to move forward and look forward. I believe that's what caused her punishment. So 
my question to you is, how many of us are ready to continue to move forward and to not look back and to not say, oh, yeah, it was so good back then. It was just, yeah, I, I miss throwing up. I miss hangovers. I miss jail. I, oh, you, you, do you guys know how much I miss probation? Sitting in the probation office for like five hours, you know, when the probation officer walks out and says, I'm going to test you. You better have to go. And you're like, your eyes are floating. You're, 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 like, you're like squeezing everything in your body. You're going to the window begging, please, I have to go to the bathroom. Sit down. Because you know as soon as you go to the bathroom what's going to happen, right? All right, Casey, come on. Here's the, here's the time to go in the bathroom. You're like, but I just went. Well, you're dirty, right? You can't go. What are you? You're dirty, right? You're dirty. I know that, right? I've seen it happen right here in the I, probation show up here at the church. You know, that's what I love about this church, right? This is a church where Jesus Christ is worshiped. And don't make fun of how I say worshiped, Vanessa, please. Thank you. Um, um, but I, I love it because there has been many times when probation has come and tested residents here, and the bathroom is right there, and you're walking up with probation to show them where the bathroom is, and you're looking at the sanctuary, and you're saying, this is, this is awesome, that probation is at a church because people have the opportunity to get to know Jesus. To me, that was cool, right? I think the probation officers might have thought it was a little strange. You know, I'm at a church testing a guy, and, and, and they've had to arrest a few of them, you know? I kind of felt bad about that, but I wasn't the one that was dirty. Do you know what I mean? You, you can't live somebody's life for them, but you can pray for them and encourage them and let them know that there is no more condemnation, that they have this freedom they have. But, you know, the beauty about freedom is you have the freedom to choose. You do. You have the freedom to go back and do what you've always done, or you have the freedom to go forward and do something that you've never done. And that could be scary. There are people that are afraid of success. And there are people that are just more comfortable with sitting in jail because there is no expectation. You know, Wednesday comes, you order commissary, right? You know, and then you, I'll get your stuff together and make a spread, you know? Pretend it's some food that you wish you were eating on the outside, but it tastes nothing. I've said that before. I give you guys a hard time about that all the time. Pizza in jail doesn't taste anything like Gianni's, all right? I don't care how much... Cheeto dust you put on, or how much ramen you put in it, it tastes nothing like Gianni's. You know, I promise you on Gianni's menu, there is not a Monterey County Jail pizza spread. Right? They might actually sell a couple if they had it on their menu, right? You know, you diehard guys. I, mean, I just love that pizza from jail. No, you didn't. But that's what looking back does. We look, when we look back, we think things weren't as bad as they were. Right? When, when the children of Israel were going through the desert for those 40 years, they're like, oh, it wasn't so bad being in prison doing slave labor because at least we had better food. Right? Right? 
Oh, I wish I was back in high school. No, you don't. You hated it. Right? Acne and awkward and no car and you had to ride the bus and, you know, you didn't have the cool clothes, you didn't have the cool shoes. Right? You didn't, no, nothing, nothing was fun about it. But you, we look back and we glorify the past when there was really nothing fun about it. What we do is we need to glorify God and look to the future and find out what does God have for me? What, what can I do? Where can I end up? And who, who might I be? Who might I serve? Or what, what might I do? Can you imagine if you turned your will completely over to God and said, all right, I'm just going to do whatever, whatever you want me to do. It's kind of cool because you have no idea what you would be doing. None, right? None at all. You could be used in ministry. You could be used in missions. You could be used locally in the jails, the prisons, homeless ministry, you know, foster care. There are so many things that God can use you in but you just have to be willing to, in your freedom, say, why not me? Why, why can't you use me? Because God can use every single one of you. All of you have these gifts and talents that maybe you're not even aware of. Things that would maybe, maybe not even bless you, but bless somebody else, right? Maybe you know how to do something that somebody needs that's gonna bless them, right? When I, when I think about the connection, like I was talking to April, on Saturday, and she has a connection to Tim, right? And then Tim was telling me tonight, yes, she set up my website for my painting business 20, what, 20 some years ago? You know, and 23 years later, they're sitting, not by chance, right? Not, I don't believe in chance. I don't believe in serendipity. I don't believe in kismet, all that just crazy stuff. I believe in the Holy Spirit putting people in certain places at certain times so that God can be glorified and edified and we could be reminded of a season in the past. We could be reminded of what God has done in glory. And we can also be reminded of what the past was like. How many of you want to wake up tomorrow homeless? How many of you want to wake up in jail? Right? You want to wake up camping, right? No, not me. My idea of camping now is waking up in the hotel having some breakfast, no, not even having breakfast, just waking up in a hotel, driving out to somebody's campsite, plopping down in the chair that's by the fire that's already going, and having a cup of coffee, right? I don't like sleeping on the ground anymore, right? Being homeless, sleeping in my van, you know, there's nothing between the seats where you know, I put a five-gallon bucket in there and blankets, and you kind of lay all awkward, and you wake up, and you can't even move, you know, I don't miss anything about that. All right, so verse six. So, for to set, uh, excuse me, for the spirit, for the, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, because we know in our in our bodies we want you know the lust of the spirit, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We live in these bodies that just want things that aren't good for us, right? We've, we, we've had these tragedies, so we want to be numb. We don't want to feel this, so we do that, right? We, we see this, and we, we, we want that. You know, I want that. You know, gimme, gimme, gimme. 
You know, I want everything. I don't care whether it's good for me if I, or not. If I just want it, right? I just want it. I want these things that make me feel good, to make me feel important, to make me feel whatever. But those are just showing that we have the absence of Christ in our life. Because once we feel that, I'm not saying that the flesh stops becoming the flesh and all of a sudden you are 100% satisfied. You know, if your goal is to be 100% satisfied 100% of the time, I'm not even sure what to tell you. I'm not sure where I, where I would even send you because I am a follower of Christ. I'm a lover of Christ. I'm not 100% satisfied 100% of the time. But you know what? But I'm okay with that. I'm satisfied with not being 100% satisfied all the time because that's not the reality of life. We're broken people living in a broken world Sometimes doing the best that we can. We should expect at least that we're going to have a life and have an opportunity to do something with that life better than what we had planned, right? Because all of us in this room, one thing that we have in common is we did not succeed at life like we had intended, right? I didn't take a how to lose your job and sleep in your car class in college. Wow, I'm successful. I did it. I lost my job, I lost my home, and I'm living in my car. Boy, I graduated, right? No. It's because I failed to do the basic things in life. I failed to seek out that thing with, 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 with me, which I knew was really true. But what I didn't want, I didn't want the accountability. I didn't want some invisible guy telling me what I could and couldn't do, what I could and couldn't smoke, what I could and couldn't steal, you know, what I couldn't, couldn't watch, what I couldn't, couldn't say, because I wanted that control over my life that brought me zip, nothing, nada, not a darn thing. But when I gave up those things that I had no control over anyway, how many of you can control what happens tomorrow? Anybody? No. None of us have any control over what happens. We have control over what we do and our reactions to what happens. But we, we can't control anything beyond that. So I'm like, all right, well, cool, man. God, you're in charge. You know, I'm not going to take credit, right, for what I'm doing. This is what you're doing. I'm just going to be along for the ride, and I'm going to be submissive, and I'm going to do what you ask me to do and what you want me to do. And let's see what happens. And lo and behold, wow, it works. It's crazy. It's like, wow, I wish I'd have known this a long time ago. But then I think back, oh, yeah, so many people tried to tell you this. Right? But you didn't listen. So if that's where you're at tonight, then I'm telling you again, give it a shot. Give it a try. What do you got to lose? You know, what are you going to do? End up being in rehab or at a recovery meeting? Well, you are. And I don't know about you guys, but I enjoyed the coffee, the pizza, the desserts, the fellowship, the music, the company. I enjoy you guys. I, I, I got to walk around during worship and say hi to some people and shake their hands and something I don't get to do a lot of because I, I'm pretty busy on Monday nights. But I, I truly, honestly love hanging out with you guys. You know, I love worshiping with you. I love eating with you. I love the fact that everybody's kids are downstairs making all these cookies and they're going to bring them home and you're going to eat them and break your diets and there goes keto, there goes Ginny Craig, whatever. It's okay. Don't worry about it. They're your kids. They're making you cookies. Eat them. Right? Don't, oh, honey, I can't eat these. I'm on keto. No, forget it. You know, I'm doing the typical, I'm not doing any, like Austin comes in and he goes, ah, 
ah, man, we got to start eating differently. Like, no, ain't no we about it, buddy. I, I'm, I'm, all bets are off till January. You hand it to me, I'm eating it. If I see it, I'm eating it. If I pass the drive-thru, I'm pulling in and eating it, right? If I stop at 7-Eleven, I'm buying two of them, right? I, my, my big thing today was I stopped at 7-Eleven to get an energy drink for Tommy and I, and I was looking at the Reese's peanut butter cups, and my only decision was the four-pack or the six-pack. And I thought, well, you know, I need, to, I need to reel it in a little bit, so I got the four-pack. But then I opened it, and then Tommy ate his, and I'm like, oh, I should have got the six-pack. <laughs> but I would say enjoy. Enjoy your sobriety. Enjoy your freedom in Christ. Enjoy your life, right? But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace, for the mind is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, and indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And that's what it's about. Yeah, and I'm not talking about we can't feed our flesh Reese's peanut butter cups because, you know, that's, that's fun. It's fun. It, you know, it's okay. But what I'm talking about is, is the real things of Christ, the things that are going to make a difference in your life, doing the things that, that you shouldn't do, the things that cause you to be where you're at in your life. And take where you're at in your life and enjoy that and rejoice in the fact that it is almost Christmas. You have people that are surrounding you, that love you, that are invested in you. You're safe. You're warm. You're dry. You're fed. You're worshiping Christ. I mean, isn't that a pretty good place to be in your life? So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And Lord, I just thank you for, for sobriety. I thank you for lovingness. I thank you that there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those of us who call ourselves believers in Christ. So Lord, thank you for our sobriety. Thank you for our families. Thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight in a sober environment and worship the King. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.